Genesis chapter 4 as we continue our study through the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings. In this chapter, we have already seen the birth of Cain and Abel. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering unto the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought an offering unto the Lord the firstlings of his flock. But they both were demonstrating where their faith was by what they brought. Cain had faith in himself, his efforts, while Abel had faith in God alone and brought an offering of blood. It's still the blood. The Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering, the Lord had not respect. God's rejection of Cain and his offering enraged Cain. We saw last week at the end of verse 5 how Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. God came along, tried to reason with Cain. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And the Lord's doing that, but Cain refused to hear God's heart. Cain stayed angry at Abel. And when they were alone in the field, Cain committed the world's first murder by killing his brother. How would you like to be these parents? They have given birth to a murderer and one who has been murdered. I closed last week by highlighting how religion always persecutes grace. They cannot get along together. Man-made religion and, and salvation by grace are always at odds. Well, I want to begin this morning by reading verses 8 through 12 of Genesis chapter 4. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. You can choose your sin. You cannot choose the consequence. Before we move on from verse 8, I need to address what we did not have the time to get to last week, but it's really what is at the heart of Cain killing Abel. Remember what God said to Satan in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God had foretold of the promised seed to arrive one day who would bruise the head of Satan. God said he would be the seed of the woman. So Satan knew to be on the lookout when Eve gave birth to these two sons. On this offering day, it became clear to Satan which son was godly and which son was ungodly. It was obvious to Satan that Abel was the godly one. And isn't it interesting how even Satan identifies the righteous one, and yet Cain can't bring himself to humble himself and get right with God. 
And it shows how blinding religion can be. In Satan's mind, Abel was either the promised seed, or at a minimum, the promised seed would come through Abel's lineage that would defeat Satan. Therefore, if Satan can eliminate Abel, he's going to think that he's secured a victory. And what better time to put it into the mind of Cain to murder his brother than when he's being controlled by the emotion of anger. This is why we must learn to walk in the Spirit. He comes to Cain. He he plants the thought. he, He works on Cain when he is fuming mad. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Because Cain is controlled by his emotions, he has now become vulnerable to Satan's influence. He has given place to the devil. He's become very wroth. When we walk in the flesh, we become subject to the emotions of the flesh, which open the door for the enemy to come in and take advantage of the condition we're in. And when we allow that to happen, we see here in our text how quickly somebody can be led astray to the point of murder. Galatians 5, 19-21, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Listen to this list. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders. Goes on to say drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There were 17 things listed there that I just read to you. Nine of them are directly connected to anger. 53% of that listed about walking in the flesh is connected to anger problems. And when you get burning mad, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh at that moment and you're allowing that to take control of you and you have opened yourself up to demonic influence in your life. And when this is in your home, it becomes cyclical. Say, what do you mean? Someone in the home gets angry, which now causes somebody else to get angry. And now everybody's angry. And the fruits of the Spirit have now been quenched. They've been grieved because place has been given to the devil. Galatians 5, 22-24 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That is almost the direct opposite of all the ones we read about hate and anger. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And so a, a home that is filled with anger cannot manifest the fruits of the Spirit at the same time. And I can almost guarantee you that when there is a lack of peace in your home, somebody has the spirit of anger. 
somebody has let the devil in. And who wants to be around angry people all the time? So the anger of one begins to frustrate others in the home. They're frustrated because you're angry all the time. And you stay in your anger because they're frustrated at you. You catching this? Boy, you sound like you got experience at this, Pastor. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, My wife gets angry, but I never do. (laughs) And what what begins to happen when we we allow that frustration and the anger is little by little, a home is slowly being torn down. Proverbs 19.13 teaches us that the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Nagging. Proverbs 21.19, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Now, that goes for both men and women. And just to be honest with you, in my experience, it has been mostly the men with the anger problem in the home. Ecclesiastes 7.9, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Psalm 37.8, Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself to do evil. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that anger is connected with the devil. We just read it again in Psalm 37.8. Anger is, is foolishness, the Bible says. It opens us up to do evil. And so Satan here, he takes advantage of Cain's vulnerability of being angry and in an emotional state, and he plants the seed into Cain's thoughts to murder his brother who did absolutely nothing wrong. Matthew 5.22, Jesus said, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, or it's worthless, or your vanity, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Cain has now become the tool in the hand of Satan by killing Abel his brother because Satan is trying to prevent the conquering promised seed, the Messiah, from arriving one day. The one who will bruise his head. 1 John 3.12 tells us plainly that Cain was of that wicked one. Jesus said the devil was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Let's remember Proverbs 16.32 which says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Now keep in mind, Cain is a religious rebel. We've covered all that in the past. He's been a moral person up until this time. There were no television shows to influence him. There were no violent video games to influence him. There were no gangs to get caught up in. There were no internet sites to go to. There weren't even wicked friendships yet. And in this we see how depraved and how wicked our flesh really is. The Apostle Paul rightly said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. Sometimes parents want to look at 
other things as the problem in the lives of our children. We want to blame bad friendships. So let's cut off the friendship. We want to blame other bad influences like the various platforms that are out there. So let's take away all of that completely. While there is certainly something to be said for doing that, there are times for such things. When guiding our children, we need to understand the main problem is their fleshly heart. If they would just get their heart right, they wouldn't choose bad friendships. They wouldn't be interested in the wrong influences. The same is true for us as adults. Ultimately, we do what we do because it's in our heart. I know bad relationships and influences don't help. To be sure, there are times that we need to cut things off. But if that child does not give their heart to God, they can turn out just as wicked as Cain does here. From a Christian home at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I think I said this while in chapter 3, but the key isn't to isolate, it's to learn how to insulate. In South Dakota, you don't avoid the cold, but you insulate against it. I'm still going out in the cold, I'm just smart enough to put on a coat. Some of you aren't even that smart, I see you in the winter. Bunch of tough guys. We cannot avoid the world, but we can insulate ourselves against the world. Romans 13, 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Ephesians 4, 24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Did you know to put on is the exact same idea as putting on clothes? It actually means to sink into a garment. You are robing yourself with Christ. You are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, if you want to insulate yourself uh, from the coldness of this world, you have to put on Jesus. We must put on the new man. We insulate against the world and its evil influences by being in Christ. We can't always teach our children avoidance because one day they will be shot out into the world. They need to learn to deal with the world. How? By putting on Christ. So the goal isn't to remove, but it is to make sure that we're trying to put something into the heart. We need to teach them who to walk with in order to know who to avoid. I hope this is making sense. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, the problem is, we cannot control what goes in their heart. We can try all we want, we can try to pour into them, we can try to reach their heart, but ultimately it is up to the individual to decide what they do with their heart. They have to make a choice. God gave us a free will to choose. This is why two children from the same home like Cain and Abel can turn out so radically different. 
And I mention this to say to some of you parents, stop trying to find a reason why this one went in the right direction and this one went in the wrong direction. It may just be as simple as this one decided not to give their heart to God. You might have done everything right. It doesn't always have to be because you were some terrible parent. So stop beating yourself up. Come on, help me out now. I know what I'm talking about. People are trying to decide, should I be mad at God? Should I be mad at this person? Should I be mad at that? Listen, it was their decision. Even if they profess Christ, they may have never yielded themselves to Christ. So we have nothing in our text here that we can point to Adam and Eve and say, see, that's why Cain became a murderer. It was simply a matter of Cain not wanting to submit to God's requirements. Cain was born a sinner, and he didn't want to give his heart to God. And we don't really need to look beyond that. And I say this because others like to speculate about other homes. Well, I'll tell you where they went wrong. Well, you better be careful with that. Because one day those tables might be turned and you're faced with situations that you never thought you would be faced with. Because that little sweet thing that your wife gave birth to... (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, Cain murders his brother. Cain knew what he was doing... He knew it was wrong he, because he's drawing Abel out to the field away from the view of everyone else. This is nothing more than premeditated murder. We don't know how he killed Abel. Maybe he used a stone or a club or maybe his bare hands. However it happened, it wasn't the implement, it was the sinner. You say, are you really about to go there? Yes. Guns and knives are not the problem. The problem is the heart of a sinner. Amen. Now, government can ban all the weapons they want. It's not going to stop murder. Amen. Someone opined, to say that guns kill people is akin to saying that pencils are to blame for poor scores on math tests. <laughs> the student still has to pick up the pencil and fill in an incorrect answer. So a gun cannot get out of its place, load itself, run around, shoot people. It has to be in the hands of one who has a heart to use it improperly to kill someone. If it was all about the implement used and to solve drunk driving, we would ban cars. At one time, we actually thought it was wise to ban alcohol. Amen. Imagine that being the solution. And all we can conclude here is that Cain's heart is far from God. When all is said and done, all of our sinfulness is our own choice. And it isn't anybody's fault but our own. Now in verse 9, the Lord comes to Cain. And people say the Lord doesn't care. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? We saw in chapter 3 and earlier in this chapter that when God comes along and asks a question, He's not wanting information. He's wanting us to see something in ourselves. And the point of this question by God to Cain is for Cain to come to the place of confessing his sinfulness. God asks questions that are meant to cause us to examine ourselves and fess up. But Cain in his utter rebellion refuses to admit anything and he lies to God by saying, I know not. Oh yes, he did. 
I know with my dad, I was much better off to just confess than to lie to try to cover it up. I don't know how y'all were raised, but I was getting it either way. It's just a matter to what degree. <laughs> it might go a little bit easier if I would just fess up. 1 Corinthians 11.31 does teach us if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. To be justified with God means we must confess or agree with God about our sins. Luke 18, 13, and 14, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So God here is not going to force Cain to do anything. He's not going to force him to tell the truth. But God and Cain both know exactly what has happened. And Cain actually tries to lie to God who knows everything. I mean, you talk about a man not understanding God. We see how Cain was of his father the devil. And I just want to point out, things are getting worse here as these chapters unfold. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin. They try to cover themselves with fig leaves and play the blame game. But now here in chapter 4, look how far we've already come. There's not even a semblance of trying to cover anything up. It's just outright lying and rebellion and murder. You know, humanity doesn't get better apart from God. It only keeps getting worse. See America. Cain's heart is now hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How insane is it to try and conceal our sin from God? How insane is it to not confess sin to a God who says, the only way I'll forgive you is if you confess? Well, instead of confessing, am I not my brother's murderer, Cain goes on to say, am I my brother's keeper? He arrogantly answers God with a question. Some see this as Cain saying, what business is it of mine to take care of Abel? He's of age. Others see this as Cain essentially saying to God, if you love him so much, where is he? If you had so much respect for him and his offering, why didn't you take care of him? Why didn't you keep him? If he's missing, you're the one that's to blame, God. If that is the sense, this is eerily similar to what the religious crowd says to Jesus when He's on the cross and dying. Matthew 27, 43, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the elders walk by and they say, uh, he, He trusted in God. Let Him deliver Him now if He'll have Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. The fact is this morning, listen people, we, we, are, we are called to look after each other. I'm not talking about it takes a village. You be the priest of your home. But we are called to look out for each other. We should be concerned for one another. We should be a helper and a keeper of our brothers and sisters. Hey church family, when a visitor comes in here, do you make them feel welcomed? 
the word keeper here means to hedge about, to guard, to protect, to attend to. So understand, we're not talking about being a busybody. Amen, Amen, ladies? (laughs) Okay, that went over as well as I thought it would. Um, Men are just as bad. I'm only teasing. Everybody chill out. We're not talking about being a busybody. But this is to be a watchman. 1 Corinthians 10.24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Philippians 2.4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus made it abundantly clear when He said, Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew Henry wrote this, A charitable concern for our brethren as their keepers is a great duty which is strictly required of us, but it is generally neglected by us. Those who are unconcerned in the affairs of their brethren and take no care when they have the opportunity do prevent their hurt in their bodies, goods or good name, especially in their souls, do in effect speak Cain's language. End quote. And we have some here who have decided it's best to be like Cain. You've seen your friends doing wrong, but you've kept it to yourself. You've never brought it up. You know the secret things that they're doing and sneaking around on. You know it would not be approved, but you stay quiet. Some even choose to cover it up by lying. And some, only after they're caught, do they go, well, did you know so-and-so was doing that? Why weren't your brother's keeper before you got caught? This is no different than Cain. This is not being your brother's keeper. If you see someone going into sin, we're supposed to do our part to help them make the right decision. Now, they can willfully just go right in. But we aren't to turn a blind eye. We aren't to cover sin up. We aren't to facilitate sin. Don't forget in whose presence you stand at all times. We're all in the presence of God. And in closing, let me say this. We are keepers and watchmen of mankind in the sense that we are charged to give the gospel. We are to care for the souls of mankind. I knew I wouldn't have time to read it all, but go to Ezekiel 33 and you'll learn that if we sound the warning of God's Word and someone does not heed that warning, their blood is upon their own head. But if we know the Word of God and we're not sounding that warning and they die in their sins, God said, I will require their blood at your hand. So this idea of being our brother's keeper is a very serious matter. 1 Kings 2.5, we read about a man named Naaman. He was the captain of the host of the king of Syria, but he was also a leper. When they captured the Israelites, they had a little Israelite girl with them who ended up serving Naaman's wife. And this, this little captive girl says to Naaman's wife, Would God my Lord, speaking about Naaman, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now just think about what's happening there. This this captive girl is pointing them to the man of God. So we are called to point people to Christ, the Son of God. Say, well, this world isn't my home, and... I'm just a stranger and a foreigner. I'm a captive in this world, if you will. We do like she does. And we point them to where the help is. 
we point them to Christ. We're to be about the Father's business of telling others about Jesus. And listen to me, if we hold back, we are in sin. So do you love people enough to desire their salvation? Do you go after lost souls? When we claim to be a Christian, and we do not seek for the lost to be one, then we show no proof of God's love at all. How dare we say we are in Christ and not try to share that with other people? Charles Spurgeon said, I tell you, a cold-hearted Christian makes worldlings think that Christianity is a lie. Can we even call ourselves disciples of Christ if we never seek to reach the lost? Even the religious crowd at Christ's death confessed He saved others. Do you know any in your life who are unsaved? Those without God. Listen to me. Have you done everything you can to reach them? Do you you have a clear conscience with God that when you stand before Him, you know you have done your part? Have you even prayed for them? Have you pleaded with them? Have you invested in trying to reach them? How about your family members? If they were to die tomorrow, would you be free of their blood? Have you done all you can? We cannot save them ourselves. We understand that. But what are we doing to win them to Christ? If you profess to be a believer in here this morning and your home does not know the way of salvation, shame on you. And this goes for outside of your house as well. We're to go out and after those who are living in open sin. We are in a very unique spot here as much as I want a new facility. We have people walking through the parking lot all the time in sin. We've had people killed in our parking lot, literally. When you see them walking through and we're out there, do you say anything? Do you care for the drunkard and the harlot? Listen, those people have good hearts too. They're just caught up in sin. Maybe good hearts isn't the best choice of words, but you understand what I'm saying. Galatians 6.10 says, And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. If you want to destroy someone, you don't need to kill them. You just need to keep your mouth shut when the Holy Spirit said, Tell them about Christ. Keep the gospel from them and you'll, you'll do enough to destroy them. Never say a word about Christ. And let us not forget, we're going to be called to give an account to our Lord. Cain here is being called to give an account. And so will we. Where is Abel thy brother? Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least 
of these my brethren ye have done it unto me. According to our Bible, we know there's an awful place called hell. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But those who reject Christ have cast in their lot with Satan and will face the same fate. We know there's no way to escape the damnation of hell except through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought to be the more earnest in trying to rescue lost souls. Will you ask God today to direct your life into the useful service of bringing souls to Christ? He that winneth souls is wise. We will all stand before God to give an account. What will you say when you are asked, Where is thy brother? Let's pray.